Damascus. I am Dan Dimite, and this is my good friend Aaron Richards and hey, Brad Pira. Yes, sir. What's up, brothers? You guys ready for a fun show today? I think so. I'm ready for a fun Aaron, show. Aaron, are you going to give us some excitement today, or are you just going to be super <laughs> chill and mellow? Be over I'm, there. I'm okay. never chilled nor mellow. Oh, okay. And for the record, Dan and I have coffee in our box. Aaron <laughs> yeah, has water I, in his. I've been asking people, who's your favorite <laughs> That's person on Beyond Damascus? And everyone <laughs> says, I, I, everyone says Aaron. I'm like, this is, I it's have issues. because freaked out by you. <laughs> All right, so if you are, you're joining us you guys are too much. in this new season, we are switching <laughs> things up. We are asking questions while our audience is asking questions, and then we each give our own two cents worth on what our answer to that bing, question bing. is, and we just have some fun. So, Jack, we are ready today for the question of the day. Lay it on us, my friend. Uh, the question of the day is, as a Catholic, should I be charismatic? Oh! Mm. That's a good yeah. one! I feel like that. We're getting salty. Invest in some uh, coins. Do, yeah, we, do we ever know who asked the question? Yeah, submitted so. by... Submitted by... I'm just curious. I, I don't actually know. Who we, we used to until we put it on like six different I, spreadsheets. I like this. This is episode two and we are already yeah. hitting some controversial questions. I like it. Excellent. Yeah. My, so uh, I'm just going to throw my sense in from the get go. Okay, okay. So here we go. I would say, and what was the question Jack said again? Uh, <laughs> As a Catholic, you can't throw it in. Shush, 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 shush. As a Catholic, should I be charismatic? My answer is, as a Catholic, you already are charismatic. Mm. Like uh, the, by right of your baptism, you received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and so to be charismatic simply means that you have an openness That's to the good. gifts of the Holy That's Spirit. Good. So if you desire the Holy Spirit mm. in your life, uh, then then yes, you are charismatic. You mm. and. I mean, I think Jesus, he talks about like the only unforgivable sin is blasphemy in the Holy Spirit. Like to reject the Holy Spirit is to reject he who is the Lord, the giver of life, the sanctifier. So baptism gives us the sanctifying grace to be open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I think this is beautiful because uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not like they are so diverse and so rich. And so anyone who wants to participate in the life of of Christ has to be open to the gifts. Why? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't mm. just give missional gifts, right? He also gives sanctifying gifts. And so the sanctifying gifts of the Holy Spirit are charismatic gifts that allow me to be become holier. You, you think about the saints and the mystics, like John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, Catherine of Siena, like they were insanely charismatic. Like they were so filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and they, they they would say that the 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 the, the journey to holiness is all gift, right? That contemplation mm -hmm. is a mm -hmm. gift. That's a sanctifying gift. Contemplation, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the mystics mm -hmm. talk about the purgative phase of holiness, uh, the illuminative phase of holiness, the mm -hmm. unitive mm -hmm. phase of holiness. These, these phases or these stages where I grow in the spiritual life, well, I, if I go from the purgative, the repentance phase, to the illuminative phase, mm -hmm. well, who is it that's calling me to purgate, to, to repent? It's the Holy Spirit who convicts the heart of sin and righteousness. And then who is the one who's illuminating? Well, the illumination is the Holy Spirit. So mm -hmm. I can't move mm -hmm. from purgation to illumination or to the unitive phase, spiritual marriage without the Holy Spirit. So as a yeah. Catholic, should you be charismatic? As a Catholic, you are charismatic. And the charismatic dimension of our faith is so beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. That um, mm -hmm. Jesus intended the church to have both a hierarchical dimension and a charismatic dimension. That the hierarchical 
hierarchical dimension is this sustaining sacramental dimension of the faith, uh, the, the, the apostolic succession, the, the truth of the faith, the, the teaching office of the church. The charismatic is the, the new life, the waves of grace and these new mm-hmm. movements in the mm-hmm. church. So, you know, I think, I think of like um, Francisca, like the Franciscans, the Dominicans, like the, 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 the Jesuits. These were charismatic movements of God mm-hmm. in the very life of the church. And so if we like Francis and we think Franciscans should exist, well, that was a charismatic move. And so uh, Francis was charismatic simply because he allowed the charism that God was asking him to bring to the church to come to the church. And it, mm-hmm. that's not a rejection of the hierarchical dimension. It's a, a complementariness, yeah. right? So as a Catholic, yes, you are charismatic. Deal with it, right? Yeah. Oh, that's really Those good. are my two cents. Now um, someone's crying in the background. We're going to have comments. Um, I think the analogy that was coming to my mind when you were saying that is like um, a sailboat. Like the hierarchical dimension is like, is, is like the boat itself, yeah. right? And the Holy Spirit is this wind that goes into the sails. Now, nice. now the boat works with the, with the wind, right? Like you, you can change the direction of the, of the sails to where they will catch the wind, right? There's a structure to the boat. There's a structure to the mast, right? And, the, and this wind that comes in can be unpredictable, but in like beautiful ways. The wind in combination with the order that the ship has mm-hmm. moves things forward, you know? And that, that analogy, I think, uh, probably falls short, like, falls short like all do. But um, the other thing that was on my mind is um, divinization. So I, I think it, it's funny because like the, the goal- I, I always I always just say divination just for fun. Yeah, Brad loves to talk about divinization. Well, if I had goal- uh, if I had two cents for every time Brad talked about divinization, <laughs> man, I would be a million. But like it, so, it's called a bunch of different things, right? So deification, divinization. Oh, yo, no, yeah. the, the people in the East call it theosis. But like we know, we know that the, the Christian life was made that we would partake in the life of God, right? Like that God desires us for Himself. And if God desires us for himself, we can't even say that Jesus Christ is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is an operator in our life unto the end of divinization. So to deny the Holy Spirit denies our ability to become who we were made to be. And I think that's the key to what I was trying to, like often when we say, should I be charismatic? We're thinking about all these external things. And like at the heart of the charisms is the person of the Holy Spirit. And so if you don't, like the more we know Holy Spirit, the more we simply are charismatic because relationship with Holy Spirit is a charismatic move. Do you think we've done like the charismatic dimension of the faith a disservice by calling it a spirituality? Yeah, I mean, actually, I think, was it Paul VI who instituted the the, the charismatic- yeah, The Charis Institute. Yeah, yeah, the Charis Institute. And he, he's like- USCC, or the- uh, Vatican, yeah, the thing. Vatican Institute <laughs> yeah, the, for the charismatic renewal. Yeah. And the, the idea was that at some point, like he, he said, at some point, this committee in the Vatican should cease to exist because you're simply here to help remind the church that she, by her very nature, is charismatic. And mm. so we don't have a charismatic spirituality, yeah. a charismatic club, a charismatic group. Uh, that's like saying, like, like, as a Catholic, should I be sacramental? Yes, yeah. the, the church mm-hmm. by her very nature is sacramental. Mm-hmm. And the church by her mm-hmm. very nature is charismatic. That's good. You, yeah. you can't divorce the two. To have one without the other is silly. We have mm-hmm. made it a spirituality. Yeah. That's, that's, that is an incorrect theology that we dis- have to it's heal. It's done us a disservice. Yeah. yeah, and I think some of that's because we're like, uh, we're partaking in the very thing we challenge sometimes, right? Because a lot of that, like spirituality type of conversation actually came from the Reformation, not from Catholicism. Like we, we mm. had that stuff in the church and they were like, but we want this element to be primary. And the church, it, the Catholic church is like, well, we want all of it. It's all yeah. here. Like come partake in this, be a part of it, right? So yeah, I think the spirituality thing. And we're starting to do that with 
tradition as well, right? Now all sure. of a sudden the traditionalism sure. or whatever is becoming a spirituality in the church. It's yeah. like, no, by her very nature, as a Catholic, you are traditional. We are ancient, <laughs> yeah. ever ancient, like, ever And new. so yeah. we're like, Good. pray, pray That's traditional prayers, mm-hmm. pray charismatic it act, it prayers. It actually weakens your foundation to claim mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. To, to, to claim that you're a spirituality. Yeah. Just a, a yeah. mode yeah. of expression. Yeah. Right? It's an, yeah, it's expression. Yep. yep. Uh, Dan, I'm honored by your willingness to jump in first. It allowed me to do a little research while mm. you were answering as well. Oh, wow. Joke's but, on you, Dan. So for getting acronyms overzealous. are hard for me. It's the ICCRS, the International Catholic Charismatic Renewal Services. Oh, thank you. Thank you for finding that quickly. The, the acronym, no, that was that, that was, the, that was the, here. That oh, was hidden man. up here. And oh, uh, Aaron, you and your sense, Aaron. It's going to take my high out I'm going to jump on it, though. Okay, so John Paul II, he... He famously identified it that in the charismatic renewal, okay, so it's not just it's not just the uh, charismatic nature of the church that's lasted through generations, but in the charismatic renewal, the church has rediscovered that charismatic expression as uh, as a coessential part of her of her nature. Mm. So uh, you, we we cannot say that one is better or higher than the other. The charismatic and the hierarchical are co-essential expressions yeah. of Catholicism, right? And uh, I, I, I love where you, where you were going with this. We are, we are already charismatic. And I think that the reality is when people have issue with being charismatic, they usually have issue not with the fact that the Holy Spirit guides the church, yeah. right? Or else that would be very problematic. You're no, no. longer a Christian. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's, it's an issue with, with charismatic expression mm-hmm. and charismatic praise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like to go to two, uh, two yeah, places. And that's, that's like, those, those people are crazy Maddox, right? The people who are just... I'm, I'm a little scared of that too sometimes, <laughs> you know, to be honest. But uh, Revelation 4 is one of my favorite places for this. You see this image of heaven and it's not all contained here, but it's a, it's a good little insight, right? After I looked up, behold in heaven an open door and the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet. Okay, so we don't speak quietly in heaven. No. Um, reverence in heaven sounds like people who sound like trumpets. <laughs> Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. I was filled with the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven, one seated on the throne and who sat there, he appeared like Jasper. Around the throne were 24 thrones. Seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white. From the throne issues forth flashes of lightning, voices and peals of thunder. And before the throne burned seven torches. It goes on, there's four living creatures surrounding the throne. Forever these living creatures are singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And in response to the song of these living creatures perpetually in heaven, the, 20, or the, the elders, the 24 elders, they cast down their thrones. They make a physical response, a mm-hmm. physical act of worship. And they respond singing, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. So mm-hmm. you're not a fan of loud noises and singing. Oh boy. Trumpets, harps, peals of thunder uh, and perpetual noise. You're not going to like heaven very much. Right? <laughs> Heaven's going to stink. Um, so, so heaven, our heavenly expression is a, is, a, is a loud place. Why? Because this physical expression of our inward, this outward expression of our inward disposition um, it aligns, it aligns so, uh, so accurately with how we're created to worship. Mm-hmm. You see this in the Psalms. The Psalms are, mm-hmm. are our, our uh, original songbook of prayer, right? And so many of them are written in a way where it's like, okay, that, that type of outward expressive prayer um, makes me blush a little bit when I think about it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was able to research, there, 
even the catechism uh, identifies this as well. Uh, Dan, while you were speaking, uh, paragraph 2702, it talks about various different types of worship. And um, you can, I've talked about this a time or two. It's not the first time I've read this down. Uh, the need to involve the senses in interior prayer corresponds to a requirement of our human nature. Mm-hmm. So it's our human nature that actually requires both an interior component mm-hmm. and an expressive component. Mm-hmm. We are body and spirit, mm-hmm. and we experience the need to translate our feelings externally. We must pray, Catechism of the Catholic Church says, with our whole being to give all power possible to our supplication. Mm-hmm. So the idea of, um, of proper prayer being reserved and reverent prayer, mm-hmm. it's, it's just not in alignment with with Catholic theology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. I, I think what's standing out to me is like, I never want to build a theology around my comfort. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like I like, and that goes to both sides, both sides, right? Like <laughs> if, it's, sides. if it's, if, if I'm like sitting in an Eucharistic adoration and it's silent in there and I'm uncomfortable, good lean into that. What's God have for that with you? Yeah. yeah? And like on the other side, if, if you're in a place where like you're, you're like, uh, in a place where songs are being sang loudly and, and people are entering in it a different way and you're uncomfortable. Let, let's not demonize the person that's the exact opposite as us because that's a reflection of a different aspect of humanity, which by definition is a reflection of a different aspect of mm. God. And I think that's like, I don't, I don't know. I, I see that all the time. We just create a theology around our temperaments. Like yeah. this, is, this is just how I am, right? And that, so that's how theology is going to be. And it's like, I don't know if we want to do that's that. That's problematic. Yeah, well, it, it, certainly. And I, I don't know, I, and I'm sure there are people like this, but I don't know anyone who has quote, charismatic spirituality, like that has expressive worship in their life and expressive prayer in their life that doesn't also have silent prayer in their life. Mm -hmm. But I do know people who have silent prayer in their life that have very little expressive prayer in their life. And so you you do wonder, well, uh, if if I was only expressive and I only did Mm. external worship, and then you would say, that's a problem because you also need silence. But no one ever says, well, it's a problem that you only have silence and you also don't have expression. And so I think there's, the, the Lord wants us to have both and, and I think you're, you're exp- explaining how that's rooted in scripture and theology, that that is it, God's desires for the both and, that he doesn't want us just to be expressive and just to have external praise, but he, but he also wants the, the silent contemplation. And the beautiful thing is the mass is the both and. The yes, mass, right. The mass is extremely yeah. expressive. It has, it's meant to have uh, so, uh, songs. It's meant to have times of silence. Mm-hmm. It's meant to have times where I'm standing and I'm kneeling and like beating on it, your breast because yeah, it's my fault. Like the, you're embodying what you're saying. The divinization, the mingling of the bread and yes, the wine, yes. right? That there's, there's all of this that is, uh, that the both and is, yeah. the, and it's a gift because I'm body and soul. So like God wants me to have both because that's, how he built me. Yeah. I think when, when style comes into the conversation, because it does at some point. Yeah. Uh, it, it, like it's okay for you to have particular musical preference. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I've, you know, I've, I've participated and been a part of um, traditional litur- liturgical expression within Catholicism that truly does embrace a, a charismatic element, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Where, where you can engage in, in the traditional, you know, whether it's, whether it's the traditional Latin mass or whether it's uh, a, a more traditional expression of the Novus Ordo, mm-hmm. that that can be done in a way where your whole, where your whole being comes alive. Yeah. It's just not what we, what we often see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, well, it, and they should, like, it's what we should see, right? Like the, it's, yeah. it's, it's actually supposed to be the, the, the fullness of both of them. I'm just like thinking to myself of certain like pictures I've seen before of like priests, like w- 
during the consecration, like someone will catch a picture of them just weeping. And it just takes them a minute to lower it, that they weren't on their normal cadence. You know, yeah. something about that off scriptness is beautiful. Like, it, yeah, it's beautiful that we say the same words Jesus said, and that's what happens at the consecration, yep. right? That we, we articulate verbatim what Jesus said. There's a power yeah. in that. There's also a power in him holding up the Eucharist for a few more minutes because he's weeping of how beautiful this thing he's beholding is. Like that, that, that matters. That's human. Like that, that's like, that's a, that's a, what is a, a Jimmy Valvano? Who's like, yeah. if you do these three things every day, if you think, laugh and cry or something like that, there's something about our, our humanity that's interior and exterior. I'm, I'm not like saying necessarily you have to do that every day. Right. But there's, there is something to that. No, it's, a, it's a great example though, Brad, of how the, the, uh, if you will, the charismatic dimension and the hierarchical dimension of the faith are displayed at the liturgy at, uh, 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 simultaneously. Like that, yes. when the word of God is proclaimed, the gospel is proclaimed from the pulpit. The, yeah. That that is truth. That is the the logos word of God. Mm-hmm. The truth of God is mm-hmm. is being proclaimed from the pulpit. And yet, at the same time, the spirit of God is in me, allowing me to hear the word to convict my heart of something. Yes. So as I hear the the external truth of God that is unchanging and unfa- like unfathomable and uh, uh, like perfect, mm-hmm. then God starts to speak to me in an individual way to understand mm-hmm. what God wants that truth, uh, how that God wants that truth to impact my life yeah. right now. Yes, right. And, and that is hierarchical, unchanging truth and a charismatic move of the Holy Spirit in me at the yeah. same time. Yeah, uh, that's, that's so good. I'm thinking like the, um, I, so I'm not speaking theologically here. I'm speaking just kind of like simply from a personal standpoint. You're just but, talking like bradyology. Well, I just don't want people to like hold me to a technicality here because I think the point that I'm trying to make is, is deeper than just what my words might be able to make out of it. But I, I've always appreciated the revelation of the Godhead in the Trinity, these three persons, because they just show me something different about who God Almighty is. That like the Holy Spirit and the way that we talk about Holy Spirit and who he is, the giver of life, uh, proceeding from the Father and the Son, like all these things just give me a different way of experiencing God Almighty. Jesus Christ, the incarnation of God, like it just gives me a different vantage point. And, mm-hmm. and the Father, like, oh, wow, like fatherhood perfectly. It just does, it's, it's just different. The, there's a real mercy in, at least for me, in that God has revealed himself in three persons because I... I see him differently from different vantage points by looking at the three persons. Our faith should be like that. Mm. I want to look at things that I'm not naturally drawn to in the faith because it's showing me something different. Like even in the Godhead, like when I first had my conversion, Jesus made a lot of sense to me, but the father and the Holy spirit, I was still like, I don't know how to make this out. Mm -hmm. But, but in leaning in there, I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like I'm so much more whole now that I'm seeing these different aspects of God almighty. Same thing with our, our spirituality, quote unquote. Like I have a tendency to be a little more intellectual than your average person. Like I like reading, I like listening. I like all that stuff, like to probably too much of a degree. But, but I also like just emotive expression because humans express emotively, right? And, and so sometimes I think we just get cautious of like, yeah, but someone could go too far that way. It's like, well, of course, like, we can yeah. go too far every way. Yep. Um, anyway, I don't know if that helps, but like that, that, that idea of the three persons of the Trinity, if you put that into the faith and say like, here's three different ways of doing the same thing. When you look at that, like the Novus order and, and the traditional Latin mass, I think about it like that too. Yep. I see different things yeah. in both of them. 
But yeah. I think we should move towards you, excellence you, in you expression. You passed the test. That wasn't too modalist. Yeah. Good <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, good. I was wondering. I was like, if I end up in heresy, that would stink on episode two. But uh, I have my two cents. Um, All right, go for and it. And I do think that my two cents will probably hang in that like more like personal place too. I think I want to speak about this in the context of identity. Um, so like as a Catholic, should we be charismatic? Um, by being charismatic, you embody the entirety of the person you were made to be because the Holy Spirit brings the gifts to each individual in a unique way. We even talk about people having charisms, right? Like mm -hmm. certain people operate in the gift more profoundly and it allows us to have reverence and awe for what God made in that person. And um, yeah. I, I was at a conference one time and I, and I heard a line that I preach, I mean, probably monthly now, which is uh, each of us is a unique, specific and unrepeatable image of Jesus Christ to the father. That when the father looks at us, he looks at what he made and he says it's very good. And he says that in a particular way, because when he looks at you, Dan, and you, Aaron, and me, and anyone listening, he sees a unique aspect of Jesus that's in no one else. It's in no one else. And the Holy Spirit wants to bring that fully alive. And so should we be charismatic? Well, that, that question's as silly as should we be alive? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I want, I want you vibrantly alive. Like everything that God has put in you to reveal that aspect of Jesus is meant to come alive and it's not going to be replaced by someone else. Like God's not going to make another Dan. So if, if Dan doesn't lean into that, it's not, it's not like a, uh, it, um, it's, it's not a zero sum game in the sense that like, if Dan doesn't get it, someone else will, it's like, Oh, he had a will for you. Like for you in, in your circumstance, in your family and all of that. And again, God can work all things for good later, but I, I, I want to bring it to that context of identity as a Catholic. Should I be charismatic? Ask yourself if as a Catholic, you want to be fully alive. And if you want to be fully alive, what you're saying is I want to be the fullness of the image of Jesus that I'm called to be. Mm. And if your answer to that is yes, and your answer to that is amen, yeah. then you should be charismatic. I think. That's beautiful. Love uh, it. I don't know why as you say that, Brad, I'm thinking about uh, the image uh, that we see in scripture so often of um, as the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. And just this idea that like, mm. it, it, it fascinates me that... Um, my breath is the breath that I take and the work of my lungs produces a word. And, and, um, hmm. and the word that comes out of my lungs with this breath is different than the word that comes out of your lungs and your breath or your, your lungs and your breath. They're like they, the, our voice sounds unique and different. Huh. And the breath of God alive in me in a charismatic way creates a unique image of God that the world is hungry for, just as unique as your voice and my voice and Aaron's mm -hmm. voice. That, and it's, it's almost like, okay, I want the breath of God to, mm -hmm. to, to animate me, to the Lord, the giver of life, to allow divine life to be animated in me in such a way that I am giving the expression of God to the world that he desired to give to this world through me. And, um, and it just... I just feel so loved when I think about that because it's like God loves me so much that he gave me the gift of the Holy Spirit that so that like, it, it's just this like, like I'm this incredible creation that God was like, I'm going to animate myself in the world through you. It's like, that's so like unfathomable. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and take that to like, it's, it's natural conclusion. Like he's manifesting himself through you in the way only he can. So like, He's saying, there's an aspect of me that I'm going to share specifically with you. And you're going to reveal it in a way that no one else does. That's a part of me I've given to you yep. that I haven't given to other people. That's the unique, that's the power of that unique, like 
identity relationship with God where I'm like, oh, I'm a son that has a unique piece of that DNA that, that looks like my father, but in a way that my other siblings don't. And there's a beauty in that. Of that. Yeah. So as a charismatic, I mean, as a Catholic, should you be charismatic? You can say it the opposite. As a charismatic, uh, should you be a Catholic? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, you should yes. be charismatic. And if so, we're going to move into the section of our show where we talk about mission momentum. How are mm-hmm. we taking what we're just talking about and allowing that mm-hmm. to, to create a mission momentum into our week? How do we take mission into this week going forward? I want to jump on first. Yeah. Um, no, I want Brad to go first. The, Brad, uh, no. Wait, I'm just <laughs> already. <You can't>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always, I always hate it in the course of discussion when you try to draw a distinction and somebody ends up saying like, "Oh, we're both the same thing," um, and and I, I sort of went there a little bit in identifying that a, a true expression and embrace of a traditional spirituality, of a traditional expression of of yeah. spiritual life, would would be truly charismatic if mm-hmm. you're if you're being honest with yourself, right? Um, I think the way we get I think the way we get past that is not to say these are the same things, but to say that uh, wherever you are right now, you're not all the way there, yep. right? And, and when it comes to understanding the full expression of, of our spiritual life, um, you've got to allow the Lord to stretch you in prayer. And I think intentionally exposing yourself to places that will stretch you can be a really good habit to, to, hmm. to, to make. Um, so I, the challenge I would make, the, the, the missionary mission momentum challenge I would offer today is uh, this week, if you would say that you find yourself on the spectrum of like a more con, uh, contemporary expression of praise and of the charismatic dimension of the church, I would encourage you to try to find what the Lord has to share with you this week in maybe some of the more traditional expressions of spiritual life, mm-hmm. whether that's silence and adoration or whether that using the magic of YouTube, you're able to engage in some of the beauty of, of a traditional expression of liturgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, go there and see how the Lord speaks. If typically your persuasion is more toward a traditional expression, mm-hmm. uh, suck it up and step into some of the more contemporary and, uh, and charismatic expressions of worship and just allow the Lord, give the Lord permission, work in me in that way. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say um, something along those lines, but I think I, I, I'd like to offer this. So to build mission momentum into the week, I think what I want to encourage people to consider is um, write, write out to the best of your ability the different things that you would describe you with. So write out who you are as a person. So like take a journal if you're taking your prayer time and just write down the things that you see in yourself, the strengths and things like that. Then write what the opposite of those would be, but in a positive way. So like. Like if, if I'm really a strong communicator, like the opposite of that, but also positive, a really strong listener who, who mm-hmm. like, and, and I want, I want the people listening to consider doing this because what you're going to begin seeing is when I speak about someone that's different than me in a honoring what in an honoring way, I'm all of a sudden able to interact in the world in an honoring way with people that are different than me, which I think will set you up mm-hmm. for more evangelistic zeal. Because I think sometimes Again, uh, I'm I'm always kind of beating this drum, but like when we go into the world and we look immediately to I'm going to fix everything, we we won't make the first action step. But if I see in someone potential and I'm calling that forward and that leads them to the good news of the gospel, it's just more effective mission. So I, I would just encourage you to write down the strength, like how you see yourself, 
on the other side, write what the opposite of those would be, but in a positive sense. So not like a great communicator. It'd be like a poor communicator. It's like, what's, what's the counterbalance to this? And how does that make the world? Better? Man, that's a tough challenge. Right. So like, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think but I, I do think it'll give you, it'll give you yeah. something because I I, um, the, the person who is self-aware is a person that's going to be um, better apt for mission. Uh, I think for Mission Momentum, friends, it, it just try to see the Holy Spirit in everything. Uh, as much as you can, Look, like ask, where is Holy Spirit present there? Where was Holy Spirit present in that conversation I just had? Where is Holy Spirit present in that lance I just had? Where is Holy Spirit present in that prayer time I just had? And the greater, greater awareness of the Holy Spirit in your daily life um, will allow the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be magnified in your life. And as I said, the Holy Spirit has sanctifying gifts that those gifts that help you grow in holiness to overcome sin and to grow in intimacy with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has missional gifts to allow you to um, heal the sick and to uh, bring people into union with Jesus. And so the, the Holy Spirit wants, as you become aware of his presence, you're able to then allow his gifts to be magnified more fully. And actually, it's like one of those things like, as you become aware of his presence, you start asking for his presence a lot more. Like you're becoming aware of it. Like, oh, wait, I just, I want his presence in this conversation. I want his presence in this moment. I want his presence in, uh, as I get in the car and I drive to work, I just want his presence in my life. And I think that'll really restore us and and, uh, awaken us. Okay. So um, this is Beyond Damascus, a show where encounter meets mission. We want to be a people who encounter the living God and allow that encounter to propel us into a life of mission. And so, Mm Um, until next time, just remember that mission, mission makes, makes sense. sense. That's so cute. I, mission I like does that. make I, it sense. It does make sense. And it's important too. So you should actually do it because <laughs> if people don't know Jesus, they could go to hell. So mission makes sense. And it's really, <laughs> important. really important. Mm-hmm. And Jesus loves you so much. And he says, do this with me. So until next time, uh, mission makes sense. And we'll see you again next week. God bless. Hey friends, at Damascus, we provide life-changing experiences for the youth of the church every single day. It's amazing to see God change a person's life. And we have a special mission partner who has said for every new subscription we get to Beyond Damascus this season, they'll give us a $10 scholarship for a kid to come to camp or on a retreat. And so if we get 5,000 new subscribers, we'll be able to raise $50,000 in camp scholarships to change young people's lives. So yeah, I know it's stupid, like, subscribe, all that stuff. But seriously, subscribe to Beyond Damascus and ask other people to do it because we can actually change lives through that simple button. Also, we like to brag when God is changing people's lives. And so after every episode, we're gonna have a testimony and we want you to stay tuned and listen to this testimony to hear how God has impacted someone's life. And God's not dead. He's on the move, and he wants to change your life more and more every day. Hey, guys. My name is Seth Hallway. I'm a missionary here at Damascus. I would like to share a time in my life where God really broke through to me. During this time in my life, I was really just struggling to believe in God. And the, these group of Catholics, like these friends, reached out to me to join a retreat. And I, I honestly didn't know what I was getting myself into, but it, it was incredible. Um, so they, a lot of their time was spent like praise and worshiping God before talks, before the mass, all these different things. And they just had a, a vibrant community 
where the men there just really, they cared about each other and they were vulnerable with each other and they were alive. And something about that just struck me that this whole thing is deeper than whether I thought God was real or not. There were deeper pro- there were deeper issues. There were deeper things that the Lord wanted to break down. And so during this retreat, there's a time of praise and worship to God. And one of the songs in particular, it went from stone to flesh, Lord changed my heart. And this struck me because I realized that my heart was stony, that I really didn't have much love in my heart at the time that I, I cared about myself and what others thought of me. I was scared to lift my hands, to praise God, to give him what is due. And that prayer meant something to me like, yeah, it changed my heart. I need flesh like these people have. I need a restored heart. I need the stone to be gone, Lord. And, and so I was still even, even struggling with the idea of God being real. But I, I knew that the root of this was I needed a flesh heart that could reach out to the Lord. And so by just like the, the vulnerability of the people around me and them like opening up to me and me opening up to them, um, we were able to get to this this flesh of my heart. And on the final day of the retreat, I just cried out to the Lord, like, Lord, I don't know if you're real or not, but I want you to be. <laughs> and, and in that moment, the Lord like broke through and I was just filled with the Holy Spirit. I was filled with joy and the Lord's presence. And it changed my life. Um, yeah, the Lord has something beautiful for you. But just pray that your heart would be flesh, that you would be open to him. Um, thank you for listening to my testimony. And thank you for listening to the podcast. Peace out, y'all.